We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. everybody, welcome to another episode of the Packaday Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. It is episode episode 781 today, and what a day it is. We have Packers football officially back on this afternoon as they take on the Minnesota Vikings in week one of the NFL season. We've got one game already in the books by the league as Kansas City started off their defense with, with a win over Houston. And I just I just can't be more excited that football is officially back my name is Mike Welland. I'm joined today by Tyler Grezegork and Gage Bridgeford previewing today's game for you guys. And I'm sure you guys are feeling the same way, but how excited are both you guys that football is back in the NFL, is back in playing on time? The fact that they're playing on time, we've talked about it, super excited that they were able to get something together and get these guys on the field because, damn, did I miss football. And being able to watch the college football uh, today on Saturday and then watch the NFL game Chiefs in Texas on Thursday, uh, I... I thought I missed football a lot, but I didn't realize how much I missed it until I was able to watch those games. Uh, I am stunned that we are here. I have said all year long that I wasn't sure uh, the NFL was going to be able to pull it off, especially with the aspect of they're not in a bubble. like They can track where people are, which I think was a really cool thing that they really showed on Thursday night where like every player, exactly, everybody on the entire sideline has got to wear those little trackers show who they're in contact with. I thought that was cool. I think that they're taking it seriously without 
forcing everyone to be within a bubble because we know how difficult that that would be because football fields take up a lot more space than a basketball court does. So glad to be here. Glad, excited to watch uh, this Green Bay Minnesota game as they are always so exciting. Absolutely. You guys both kind of hit on the point. I think it's a, a very big kudos to the to the NFL players and their staff for for staying healthy, for being able to manage this and and to to be responsible to to know what the repercussions could have been if if there had been an outbreak of the virus if if something had gone wrong there would have been no football so kudos and a massive respect to the players and coaches for getting this done and getting it done right and so we do have football today for the Packers. With that being said, we have a full podcast for you guys today. We got some roster moves, we got some new running back contracts, and we're going to break down the game itself, some key matchups, ways the Packers can win, ways the Vikings could win, and we'll also make our predictions as well. And of course, don't forget to check us out wherever you can find your podcast as well, and on Twitter at Packet A Podcast. So our first topic today, the Packers made a couple roster moves on Saturday. They called up linebacker Chris Barnes to the 53, you know, rookie, undrafted rookie from UCLA, so... There it is. The streak might continue. We do have an undrafted rookie on the active roster on the 53-man. Barnes was a former four-star prospect, athletic guy, should come up to be a good special teams player. It also announced as the special practice squad rules uh, promotions, tight end fullback John Lovett and, and pass rusher Tipan Lei, the Utah State prospect who looked pretty good during training camp and seemed to show that he could fit and made a really strong push for the roster and with Randy Ramsey out with injuries, yeah, I think he maybe he'll get a look on there, maybe get some special teams work as well. Uh, any shock to you guys that the Packers did use that 53rd spot to make a promotion? None at all. Uh, they, they've been having a rotating door on the roster since they cut down to 53 about a week ago, so uh, not a surprise that they're continuing to add people. Uh, I was hoping they'd bring up Dalen Mack for the game, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Uh, no surprise for me either. Uh, I thought that there was, like like Tyler said, a rotating door. Uh, if they were doing better in terms of like who that 53rd spot was, like if it was a like a lower end guy, I might have seen them carrying 52. But seeing as like the guys that they're dealing with injuries on are starters, like Kamal Martin, Billy Turner, Rick Wagner, everybody else, it, it's not surprising that they ended up bringing somebody up. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, I'm not too surprised. I'm surprised that it was Barnes. Uh, I don't know if they're going to bring up another inside linebacker. When you have Christian Kirk, who's going to play most of the snaps anyway, and then Burks and Summers. And, and now that Oren Burks is healthy, he's good to go. And no longer on the injury report at all. That was kind of a shock. But it also shows that they trust their offensive line. They didn't bring up They didn't bring up either either one. Uh, they didn't bring up any of the offensive line. I mean, up there, they just they seem to trust whoever's going to be out there, and if Billy Turner is out, they seem to trust that it's going to be either Rick Wagner or Lucas Patrick at guard, and Elton Jenkins slides out. So we'll see what officially happens. But with that, now it's time to take a look at some of the contracts that were released on Saturday. And there were three very big extensions. Wide receiver Cooper Cup from the L.A. Rams got three years and $48 million, but the two ones that are most pertinent to the Packers are in the running back spot. Alvin Kamara of New Orleans, five years, $75 million extension, 34 and a third million guaranteed. And Minnesota, they announced Delvin Cook's extension, five years, $62.5 million, 28 guaranteed. To make cap room for that extension, they did spread out Eric Kendrick's uh, salary to a signing bonus, I think around $6 million over the next few years. So that'll spread out their cap. So with Cook signing, Minnesota's really diving in to try and 
win in the Kirk Cousins window very quickly. But Gage, I go to you first. What do these contracts mean for the future for the Packers and for Aaron Jones? Um, so I know that the talk over the last week has been that Aaron Jones and his guys are working with Green Bay on getting him a new deal. Um, but obviously he says that he's focused on, he's focused on his play, which he, so he's saying all the right things. I don't know that they're going to be able to get a deal done for him with all of the other money that they have to hand out. Like Debach has said that there's no, like, like there's no contract in the works for him. He's just focusing on his play on the field. But you got to think that after signing or drafting AJ Dillon, could it be that they're just going to let Jamal Williams walk? And so that'll be, that'll be the guy. It'll be, they'll let Jamal go and they'll pay Aaron Jones. And then they'll find a way to pay Bakhtiari. Sure. But they just handed out all that money to Kenny Clark. They have Z Preston Rogers, all these other big deals. I don't know that they're going to be able to afford Aaron Jones. Like, especially even at, like, just, so Kamara got five for 75, so 15 bill per. And then you got Cook got about a little over 12 per. That's not a ton of money, but it is when you have a team like Green Bay that's got cash allocated just so many places. And especially if Kevin King were to break out this year, like, they're going to, they're, maybe it's just me. You pay your corners, you pay cover guys. It's easier to replace running back production than it is to play quarterback production. So, they might get a deal done, but if it's anything substantial, like anything big money wise, I if I'm Green Bay, I'm letting him go just because it costs like cost versus like importance, for lack of a better term. Yeah, Tyler, what are your thoughts on the on these signings and does this mean that Aaron it's that much tougher to keep Aaron Jones around? You know, I was hoping that the Packers would be able to keep Aaron Jones for somewhere around ten million. I thought maybe somewhere eight to ten was gonna be a fair value for him uh, about probably about a month ago. Well, that's the uh, mindset we'll operate off of considering there's been so many extensions lately. But with all the extensions going down, it's becoming quite apparent they're not going to be able to get him in that range. And I wouldn't expect him to sign in that range. It just doesn't – it's not fair to him. And it, it, it unless he's willing to take a huge hometown discount, I think it's going to be difficult to keep him in Green Bay, especially when they spent a the second-round pick on A.J. Dillon, who who cares if he's the RB uh, RB three on this team right now? You know Jamal Williams apparently had a really good camp, and Jamal Williams was never bad. It, it was just he was just always limited in what he could provide. But if he has raised the ceiling on that limit of his, then maybe they can get by without Aaron Jones and run Jamal Williams and uh, AJ Dillon. Maybe that's the route that they want to go. Considering Jamal Williams' price tag will be significantly less than uh, than Aaron Jones's, uh, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine what the Twitter world would be like if, if that's what happens, though, if the Packers let Aaron Jones walk and then re-sign Jamal Williams. But I do think there's a world where that could happen, uh, considering what can happen this year. Like, let's say Aaron Jones gets hurt, and, you know, all of a sudden Jamal Williams takes on a brunt of the carries and is really impressive. Maybe they bring him back on a much more discounted deal than what Aaron Jones would get. So I just it's it's becoming more and more difficult for me to see a future with Aaron Jones in Green Bay. Yeah, I'm with you. And I was actually thinking the same thing as you're talking that I, I can see a scenario where they bring back Jamal Williams at what would have been half, at most half of the price of Aaron Jones. And then you have him and Dylan and you, you still have Irvin who can do all those little things as well. So there's there's a lot going on with that. But we'll see what happens because, as Gage said, uh, David Bakhtiari is coming up and you can't let him go. You can't let a franchise left tackle go. Kevin King's now starting to look like he might be the number one corner on the market going into next year after the Jalen Ramsey signed. There, there's a lot that Russ Ball's going to have to do to try and make this work and keep this Packers team going. But 
that's for the future. Right now, it's time to take a look ahead at the game against Minnesota in the Twin Cities on this Sunday afternoon. And before we jump into the game itself, we got to talk about this right tackle spot. Uh, Billy Turner, doubtful with his injury, but Rick Wagner is full go. He said he set up. There's no other injuries on the offensive line. And the question remains: Who's going to start a right tackle? Are they going to move? Or are they just going to plug in Rick Wagner to be the right tackle? Are they going to move guys around? Move Elton Jenkins out there? Do they move Lane Taylor out there? Like there's so many different things. And Gage, I'll ask you first: What do you think the plan is tomorrow on Sunday? I think the plan's Rick Wagner. Like if he's if he's healthy, he's off the injury report. I think it has to be him. I think that I like I firmly believe in the idea of putting your best five out on the field and. I think that Rick Wagner is better than anybody else that would be coming off the bench. So so you kick Lane Taylor or Elton Jenkins out there. I don't think that you're going to get near the production that you would off of anybody else on the bench. So I think it has to be Wagner. Like, if he's healthy, I think it's got to be him. Like, I understand he's been dealing with health issues, so he might not be fully up to speed with everything. But I think it's got to be him over anybody else that, like, they might be bringing off the bench. So even if he's not the best of your five, like, he's your worst fit. I think he's still better than the guys behind him. No, I completely agree. It's got to be Rick Wagner. You brought him in to be your starting right tackle. You didn't really do anything else to add to the position. Uh, you drafted some late-round guys. Hopefully a guy like a John Runyon can make a push for interior offensive line. I don't think he's going to play NFL tackle, but other than that, the other guys are all projects. You know, Stepaniak is going to be on the NFI, and then you have a couple other dudes who they're – I you know, obviously without being able to go to camp or see anything from camp or any kind of – video proof other than what we have in college on these guys none of them are nfl ready to begin with and so it's got to be rick wagner it, it there's really no question about it the floor is playing it close to the chest I, he's trying to trying to be as cheeky as possible but it's got to be rick wagner yeah i agree with both you guys i think it's got to be ricky or rick wagner and and the thing that to keep in mind as well is that the next tackle is yosh nijman because alex light was cut from the practice squad so he's gone completely and and they they didn't bring up an offensive lineman in using any of their exceptions. So it's it's you, you got to think that if they move out Jenkins, there there'll be more interior backups where you have Patrick and Runyon and so on. But with Wagner being a typical tackle, he he's and plus he's a he's a good solid run blocker. He can he can move the he can move the pile of it. Minnesota's defensive line is not what it was last year. I think if you want to establish the run, Wagner's the guy to do it. And I think I agree with you guys. I think he's going to be the guy, and he'll make his Packers debut at right tackle in this one. So that being said, let's jump into the game itself. Let's take a look at some of the key matchups. We'll go to one on offense, one on defense. Tyler, I'll go to you first. What's your first key matchup of, of the game? Yeah, let's start with the defense. And I, I, it's obviously going to be the Dalvin Cook show um, in Minnesota. That's They made that abundantly clear uh, today on Saturday as we're recording that he is going to be the future of this offense. They view him in that way, and as they should. He's a supremely talented running back. He's, he's obviously hurt the Packers before. I think the key matchup here is Christian Kirksey versus Dalvin Cook because – there is a first line of defense. There's going to be Kenny Clark, Darius Smith, Preston Smith, and probably very Sean Gary. But ultimately, these linebackers have to be able to chase him down when he makes those cuts outside. They have to be able to mirror his moves when he's trying to finagle his way through the line. And Blake Martinez, while he was a good run defender, was limited in the way that he could match up against some of these more athletic runners. They really took advantage of him in that way. And so... Maybe having a guy who's a little bit more, a little bit more athletic in the middle in Christian Kirksey, a guy who's a veteran, a veteran linebacker in this league, albeit uh, injured quite a bit. 
I think he can be really key in, in this type of situation. If you're having Kenny Clark and Zadarius and Preston eating up blocks, that, that Christian Kirksey could be the key to stopping Dalvin Cook. What about you, Gage? What's your key matchup? Um, I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go with the guys in front of uh, Chris Kirksey. I think the corners are good enough to hang with uh, the wide receivers of Minnesota. So I think that it's going to come down to that defensive line versus offensive line matchup. Like, if I want to get specific, I think it's Kenny Clark versus just the interior of uh, Minnesota. I don't think the interior offensive line for Minnesota is very good or at least not nearly good enough to handle a guy like Kenny Clark. We saw last year repeatedly Kenny Clark, Z, uh, Z uh, Dave Maury even just getting penetration and just bowling these interior offensive linemen onto their butts into the lap of Kirk Cousins. And the ability to contain Dalvin Cook is important, but at the same time I think Green Bay is going to throw enough or score enough points to where Minnesota is going to be forced to throw it. When that happens, you have to be able to slow down or – disrupt the rhythm of Kirk Cousins. When Kirk's not in a rhythm, he's running around and scrambling and stuff like that. He's a decent athlete and like he's a deceptive athlete, like to get out of the pocket and to get on the move, but he's he likes to have a clean pocket. All quarterbacks do. Get in his face, force him off his spots and just force him to make difficult throws. If you allow him to sit back there all day, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, those guys will find a way to get open. Jair and Kevin King are good, but you can only stay in coverage for so long. So I think it's Kenny Clark's ability to dominate that interior matchup and just really, really push him to the outside. And when he when they he does go outside, he tries to escape, the edge guy's got to be out there. they got to keep him contained and just really keep him in a box. Like, don't let him get out on the edge and extend plays because that's how just your defense gets worn down. So Kenny push the middle, keep contained on him, and just collapse on him all afternoon. Well, since you guys uh, hit the defense, I'll hit the offense. And I, I, I do think that the receivers for the Packers are going to do a lot of very good things. Minnesota's secondary or their corners are not good. Uh, and I think they're going to use Gladney or Hill on Devontae Adams with Anthony Harris shaded over a lot. But that's going to open things up. And I think a big matchup to keep an eye on is going to be the tight ends, whether it's Big Dog Mercedes Lewis, Big Bob Tanyan, or DeGuara or Sternberger against Eric Kendricks. Uh, Kendrick's a very good coverage linebacker for the Vikings. He, he can really hold his own in the middle. And if the tight ends can can make him really focus on them instead of him kind of roaming around, that can really open up a lot of different things for how Matt LaFleur's going to try and call this football game. It's And and after we saw what was the the shell of Jimmy Graham last year, I think we're, with, when you have more athleticism out there, you have a healthy Tanyan, a second-year Sternberger, and whatever you want to describe Josiah DeGuara as, I think that tight end spot's going to make a bigger impact than people realize in this game. Uh, what What are you guys' thoughts on the what the other two of us have been talking about? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'm going to go first on this one. So in regards to what you said, Mike, about the wide receivers, uh, if you listen to a podcast that Tyler and I did, came out yesterday for Game on Wisconsin, I said that Devontae Adams could easily finish as the wide receiver one for fantasy this week. I think that he is going to have a field day with these young corners that I don't think are ready to handle a guy like Devontae who doesn't necessarily win with raw speed or raw size. He's a technician of technicians, and he just beats you down all game long by just hitting you with a stutter step at the line, and then you're grasping for air trying to figure out where the hell he went. So I want to. So I think Devontae's going to have a big game. Um, and then on the other side, I think Alan Lazard has got the size to 
beat up on guys like uh, like Mike Hughes because Mike Hughes is a much smaller guy. I think he's like five eight. Um, Jeff Gladdy's a physical corner, but he's also a Big Twelve corner. So physical Big Twelve corner isn't necessarily the same as a physical NFL corner. Uh, and then MVS and EQ, I'm excited to see what they can do. Uh, I think MVS was fighting himself a lot last year, as we all know. EQ was had dealt with that injury all year long that kept him out. So if we can see if we can see those receivers take advantage, like you said, this offense can explode in a big way. And if you can do that and force Minnesota to go lighter boxes and de- devote more resources to the pa- to the passing game. That's when Aaron Jones, AJ D- AJ Dillon, especially, can have a really big game. If uh, Green Bay gets up a little bit and you want to start going with a rotation of backs, like kind of a one series, hit him with Jones. Next series, Jamal. Third series, they're beaten down from the previous two. Have AJ Dillon just run I formation right at him and see what can happen. So, so I like what you said about the receivers a lot. Yeah, I think that the tight ends uh, also could be productive, like he was saying. Uh, it's just a mixed bag there with a bunch of different skill sets. And then at the same time, the wide receivers, there's no reason why they should be successful this week. If they if they struggle this week, then I think there's a bigger question mark there than we were really letting on. Um, I, MVS is the guy I'm looking for because I don't know if there's a I don't know if there's a corner in in this in the secondary right now that's going to be able to stick with him foot for foot. Maybe, maybe Mike Hughes, but he's not really known for being a long speed kind of guy. He's just, he's got really good short area quickness. Uh, Holton Hill maybe, but again, he's not really, he's kind of just an above average athlete. I don't know if there's a guy who can stick with MVS and with all the positive news coming out of camp on him, specifically from Aaron Rodgers, and then you take the dichotomy of 2019 and 2020. In 2019, the conversation around MVS was, oh, he has all the tools. Uh, and this is coming from Aaron Rodgers and, and the, the coaching staff. He has all the tools. He can be really good. And then you come into this year and it's MVS has been really good in camp. And it's just a really interesting progression. So I, I think if, if he's going to have a good week, this is going to be one of those times where he has to show up. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And then look, in, talking about you guys, what he has with the defense, I think Gage with his talk about Kenny Clark was is massive because, I mean, you look at what happened last year in the second game when Garrett Bradbury got his lunch absolutely eaten by Zedarius and Kenny Clark. And the Minnesota offensive line, I mean, they were talking about cutting Riley Reif a couple weeks ago to clear pap space. I haven't heard anything about Ezra Cleveland, whether he's going to be able to play at all. Brian O'Neill has been an all right tackle. So I don't know what Minnesota's offensive line is trying to do. And, and when it comes to like protecting Kirk Cousins or opening up holes for, for Delvin Cook, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I, I really don't. So I think Kenny Clark could sneaky have a, an, an all pro game right now. I think, I think the, the Packers defensive line could absolutely feast and that would make it even tougher for the, now significantly richer Dalvin Cook to really make a big impact like he did last year. So now we got a little bit of uh, question and answer here. So, and Tyler, I'll go to you first. If the Packers were to lose, it would be because of what? They couldn't stop Dalvin Cook. I think it's that simple. I'm not worried about Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen ultimately deciding this game. Uh, Adam Thielen is still a good receiver. I have my thoughts on him. But he's still a good receiver in this league, and Kirk Cousins and him seem to have a good chemistry. Kirk Cousins seems to do relatively well. It's just a matter of whether or not he can get the team over the hump in the end. Um, at the same time, this offense thrives off Dalvin Cook. And if you can stop Dalvin Cook, you can stop the play action, which is the primary feeder into this Vikings passing offense. And so you stop Dalvin Cook, the whole offense kind of comes to a sputtering halt. Uh, so honestly, it's going to be that defensive front. If the defensive front truly dominates like they should, then 
I think we're looking at a relatively easy Packers victory. Same question, Gage. Um, well, I was going to say the same thing, that they couldn't stop Dalvin Cook, but because I want to throw some variety in here, I think it's if their offensive line can't hold back uh, Yannick. We've seen instances before where this offensive line can be really good, and then they just and then they have weeks where they where they're off. All of us can have an off week, but I think that this like this defense of the like this defense of Minnesota, their strength is really their linebackers and their safeties. So if they can try and funnel like the receivers towards the middle and allow the safeties and linebackers to do some of the work for them, that could really slow down the passing attack. But if Yannick, who probably won't be really ingratiated in the run game, even if he's a rotational passing guy, if he can get to Rodgers consistently, like if Rick Wagner or whoever starts at right tackle gets just gets beat all afternoon, that can mess up the timing with everything. And a frustra- we've seen a frustrated Rodgers before. I'm not saying that a frustrated Rodgers isn't good. I am saying, though, that we've seen games where Rodgers gets frustrated and can kind of, I don't know if shut down is the right term, but we've seen instances where he gets frustrated and it just seems like he's pissed off for being on the field when like other guys aren't doing their job. Sometimes they're just getting beat because guys are better or because guys have a really good scheme or something like that. Like against San Francisco last year, it's not that the offensive line was bad. It's just they were facing a defensive line that was featuring like four or five pro bowlers on every single snap. This, so if the offensive line can't contain Yannick and the other defensive linemen happen to have a breakout game, then Green Bay could be in some trouble here. But I don't, I don't really foresee that happening. I still think the biggest thing is main to, er, uh, containing Dalvin Cook as well as containing Adam Thielen, who has had big games against Green Bay in the past. So, yeah, and I'll answer. It. I think I think if the Packers were to lose, it would be because they came out flat in the first quarter. Uh, we, we, that first game last year when they scored twenty-one and answer right away, and outside of Dalvin Cook's big run early, they were in complete control. I think. They need to repeat, uh, not maybe not that big of a of a statement, but I think they need to do something similar to that and get, and come out strong, come out, come out and make some plays early on, and not let Minnesota get some more momentum going and get some hope going into the second half. Because if if you give a guy like Dalvin Cook Cousins a little bit, uh, just a little sliver, they can make you pay. With that being said, if the Packers win, to me, it's going to be because they control the clock. Uh, obviously, the the four running backs or three and a half, whoever you want to describe Tyler Irvin. They can, if they can ground out four or five yards every play, move the chains, make the plays you needed, don't make mistakes, hang on to the football, and if they can control the ball for 35 to 40 minutes, I think they win comfortably. Uh, Gage, what about you? Uh, I think it's going to be because they score more points. I think that's how you generally win football games. Thank you, John Madden. I'm here for you. Uh, no, but in reality, I think it's going to be, like, time control is important, but also I think that if they can outscore Minnesota. So this Green Bay offense isn't what um, – I, and that sounds weird, but I'll get to it in a second. So I think that this Green Bay offense isn't what the like the picture of Greg Jennings, James Jones, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, all of the pieces that they had earlier in the decade. But I still think that Rodgers is able to elevate and is able to run up the score with ease. Like last year against against yeah Oakland when it was still Oakland, this Green Bay offense looked absolutely unstoppable. I understand that that defense is worse than this Minnesota defense is, but. I think the Green Bay can put up points in a hurry just because their scheme is their scheme is good. Their talent is good. It's just a matter of getting everybody in positions to succeed. If LaFleur does that, I think the Green Bay could quickly get up on Minnesota, force them to throw, and Kirk Cousins is not good enough to win you a game that way. Like he's not good enough to keep up with Rodgers. Adam Thielen's good, but I think if he's got to deal with 
Jair Alexander a bunch rather than just run blocking. Like, if he's got to try and shake Jair all game long, man, that'll be hilarious to watch because he's not that shifty. Justin Jefferson against Kevin King. Jefferson's a shifty guy, but he doesn't have the physicality to necessarily beat up on Kevin King. So I think if you can force Minnesota to throw, which is not how they want to win football games, Green Bay can really, really take advantage of this Minnesota team and win in a big way. Yeah. I was going to say if the Packers win, it's because they kept Aaron Rodgers clean. Uh, so it kind of goes toe-in-toe with what you guys have been talking about. The the biggest the biggest asset to this Vikings defense has been the, pr- the pressure that they can cook up. And if they can just, in general, keep Aaron Rodgers clean and keep him off of his back, then I just what, – what do the Vikings have at that point? They have Harrison Smith. Uh, who, who will likely make a play or two. You know, it's just the nature of the game. He's one of the top safeties in the game. He's going to make a play or two at some point. Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, they're probably going to make a play or two at some point. But in general, if you can keep Aaron Rodgers clean, let's say less than two sacks, less than less than 10 QB hits, and or, you know, whatever. The, the point is, if they can keep him clean, then I think that they're going to be perfectly fine on offense. And like Gage said, I don't think that Kirk Cousins can play uh, – can keep pace with Rodgers. I, I, I do believe that Cousins wants to play from ahead, um, or maybe maybe play from behind in its entirety, but at that same point, he'll still need help from the defense, and if they're keeping Rodgers clean, they're not getting help from the defense that they need. So that's really the key to me, um, keeping Rodgers clean, keeping his head clean, and really keeping this offense um, ahead, of the, ahead of the sticks. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I think if they make Kirk Cousins play from behind, you'll have – Smith Smith and the adopted Rashawn Gary Smith, I think they can really cause some problems with, with getting Kirk Cousins with that offensive line. But as we start to wrap things up, it is time for our predictions. We have the over-under of the money line. We'll make our predictions as well. The over-under in this game is 44.5 points. Gage, do they go over or under? Uh, I think that over hits um, pretty easily. Uh, I have Green Bay projected to score in the high 20s and Minnesota score in the low 20s, so I think that that over hits pretty easily for me. Tyler, over or under? Agreed. I've been saying over all week, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, we'll cover the money line in a second, but that's also an easy smash. I agree. I, I have the over. I have it at 48, so I, I do have the over. Uh, the line is Minnesota by 2.5, so if you factor home field, it's, it's Packers by 1.5, but... Tyler, I'll go to you first. What's your what's your thoughts on the on the money line? Easy money. Take it and run. Put it in your parlay. Put a couple other games in there, but you can I think you can take this one to the bank almost. Uh as it's Green Bay, Minnesota, and there's always going to be a certain amount of risk. And Minnesota is playing at home, which there's gonna be no fans in the stands. So what's the real home field advantage? They get to play on turf. So do the Packers. So I, I think that honestly it's 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 money in the bank for me, and I'm gonna have a huge old, huge old, big old egg in my face if if this is not gonna come true. But I'm I'm pretty much guaranteeing that the Packers will cover cover this and uh, walk away with the victory. What about you, Gage? Uh, I have Green Bay money line in a few different places. Uh, I was pretty confident in it. Um, I think that Green Bay catching two and a half points is. I think that that's uh, ridiculous. I think that Green Bay was the better team in both games last year, as evidenced by the fact that they went 2-0. and um, I don't think that they have shown any mean or, like, they're not slowing down. 
Uh, like, yeah, you lost Brian Bulaga, but if Rick Wagner plays, I think that Rick Wagner is serviceable enough, and I also think that you have the upgrade of Elton Jenkins has got another year on his belt. Um, also, Daniil Hunter, out, helps. Yannick is not going to play full-time. I think that this defense regressed a ton. I don't think that the corners that they have right now are very good yet. Jeff Gladney's got a lot of potential, but he's not very good right now. Um, so I think that you, like, I understand that you're factoring in home field here, but home field doesn't really matter, and it's really Green Bay, like, it would be getting a half point if this was a neutral site. So give me Green Bay on the money line all day long. I have it sprinkled in a parlay that had, may or may not have, like, eight legs, I believe. So I went pr- I went pretty heavy, um, but I leaned a lot of favorites on this week because I think that there's a lot of favorites that are going to – basically what my uh, presumption with this offseason is that good teams are going to be good um, and bad teams are going to be bad. So, like – Seattle, I think, will be good. I think that Atlanta will not be as good. Philly, I think, will be good. Washington, not so good. I think that there's a lot of examples of good teams are going to beat up on bad teams this year just with how weird this year was. Yeah, I'm with both of you guys. I think it's an it's an easy pick. Uh, you, you you take the money line. Pa- Packers, they I, they went out right. I'd, I'd be the, them being underdogs is a completely a complete shock to me. And the only home field I I could think could be was if they use that godforsaken horn and if they do that with an empty crowd someone may get make it punched and then there'll be some bigger problems but let's make our actual hard prediction here as we wrap things up i'll go first i think the packers win i think they make it look easy i think it's 31 to 17 i think green bay gets two touchdowns in the first quarter and then they they really roll from there and really make Kirk cousins regret resigning in minnesota tyler what's your prediction I have something similar. I have something 28 to 20. Uh, I think the Packers win easily, but I do think it'll be, it'll be close, quote unquote, to the end. So it'll be a one score game, i.e. eight points, but, uh, that's, that's what I'm rolling with. 28 to 20. That was also my prediction. Uh, it was 28 to 20. That's what I've had all week. I think that's what I said on our <laughs> podcast the other night when we talked oh, about did you? it. Was, I, think I don't so. remember that. <laughs> if not, it was pretty close. Uh, 28 to 20 is what I'm going with. I think that, uh, Green Bay is able to punch in a lot of touchdowns and I think that Minnesota's got to schedule for, or settle for field goals a couple times, especially because they have arguably the best red zone corner in the NFL and Kevin King, GOAT. Uh, so I think that Green Bay comes away with a win. It's going to be, yeah, it's a one-score game, like Tyler said, but I don't think it's as close as the score will make it seem. Like, I think Green Bay will show, like, they may get the ball moved on them a little bit, but I think that when it gets down to the red zone, I think the Green Bay is really good in that area because they create a lot of chaos with just the exotic looks that Petten's able to throw. And uh, 28-20, pretty easy. Again, hits the over, hits that 48 points that Mike's looking for. So, So there you go. Absolutely. So we start to wrap things up. We'll let's see where you guys can be found. Gage, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Bridgeford NFL all the time. Talking football, basketball, baseball, hockey. You want to talk like uh, international uh, curling? I'm here for it. Just give me five minutes notice. Tyler. Yeah, uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. Uh, if you're listening to this on Sunday morning before the Packers game, make sure you're jumping on over to Game on Wisconsin because there's a ton of pregame activity going on over there, starting with uh, Gage and I running the fantasy football start-sit live Q&A. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then uh, after that, you can go into the pre-snap for Game on Wisconsin, and they'll run you right into kickoff. So um, 
honestly, your entire your entire morning can be covered by by just going to Game on Wisconsin. It's pretty awesome. But that's where you'll find a majority of my work right now. I'm also I'm also at Dynasty Nerds. I did put out an article about sit start QBs this week. If you had questions about that, so go check that out. That's over at DynastyNerds.com. Um, that's pretty much the gist of where I'm going to be found. 100%. You can find me at Mike Wendland on Twitter. Uh, I'll be doing a lot of high school sports coming up next week, so stay tuned for that at ZaleskiSports.com. And always follow us as well at Packaday Podcast on Twitter, also wherever you can find podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, we'll be there as well. Give us a like, give us how we're doing. We'll be here every day until we no longer have podcast technology or until the world ends, whichever one comes first, because 2020. With that being said, for Gage Bridgeford and for Tyler Grizzly-Gork, this is Mike Wellen saying so long. It is Packer Football Sunday, week one, everyone. Stay safe, enjoy the game, always carry the G, and go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.